Mother's Day to all your moms. Praise God. Contrary to uh, what the world may say, motherhood is the world's oldest profession. And the most honorable, aside from preaching. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. So we've been uh, going through a series here at Living Hope Family Church on who you are, what we believe, and today I count it a privilege to stand before you and speak once again <clears throat> from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Pastor Wayne, do you have that clicker? Huh? Who we are, a people who love. All right, let's see. And now abide, faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, thank you this morning. We can come together and worship you, God, and learn from your word. In Jesus' name, I pray, help me to speak the words that you would have me to speak, to edify your people in Jesus' holy name. Praise God. The last time I spoke, I used the same scripture, if you all remember. But this week, we're going to be talking about the greatest, because the last time I spoke, I spoke on faith. This time, we're going to speak on Love. Anybody remember that, uh, what was the name of that? Tina Turner singing, What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. And what'd she say? Who needs a heart when a heart could be broken? Wah, wah, wah. Well, love has got a lot to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. So I was very curious to ask this question. Why? Is love the greatest of those three? There's faith, hope, and love. They abide. Why is love the greatest? Well, I have uh, a dictionary at home called Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek New Testament Words. So I was reading the uh, preface and the introduction yesterday, and uh, apparently he first published it in 1939, then they revised it in 1952, and in the the introduction, uh, one of the scholars who recommended it, the revised edition, uh, uh, made this statement, which I don't think a lot of people would agree with, but to me, I found it very interesting. He claims that the study of words is very interesting because with words, we communicate. And so if you have the correct words to communicate, you can get your ideas across better. So we want to look at why is love the greatest. So the Greek word for this word greatest is a, uh, a word that we get mega from. Anybody know what a megabyte is? Or a, a megalomaniac is uh, someone who thinks they're greater than everyone else. And so we get the word mega and this word greatest or great in the Greek New Testament is a word that compares. It's the comparative form. So compared to love, faith seems to be lesser. Compared to love, hope seems to be lesser. Why is that? Well, I found out a few things. Here's First John chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. 
You'll notice, let's see, how does this point? Ah, I got the pointer working. Uh, it says, we have hope. The first part of here is we are children of God. How do we, excuse me, how do we know we're children of God? By faith. So here's faith. We're children of God. Here's hope. We have this hope in Him. Our hope is put in nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness and His blessedness. So we have faith and hope there. And we have love in the same verse, but it's kind of hidden. Does anybody know where it's hidden? Well, I'll answer that for you. It's hidden in we are children. Now, say it with me. Now, we are children of God. How do we become children of God? By accepting the sacrifice of Jesus. And what is the sacrifice of Jesus? It's the lavishing of God's love on us. And we'll look at that a little while later. So, compared to uh, faith, eventually, it says here, whoops, wrong button. Back, 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 back. Come on. Oh, no. Time out. There we go. Okay. There's the pointer. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. So we have hope that this is going to be real to revealed to us. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him. So hope, hopes for things that we will see. Faith trusts that Eventually, we will see Him. And that's why faith is not as great as love. One of the reasons. Because it's going to be replaced by actually seeing with our own eyes Jesus Himself and us being changed. We shall be like Him. That's our faith. That's our hope because of the love of God. All right. Next slide. Ah, I didn't put it up there. Okay, Job chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. That's faith. How many know Jesus is alive forevermore? The Bible specifically says that He lives forevermore to make intercession for us. Isn't that wonderful news to you? Jesus is praying for you and I. That's awesome. That's amazing. He's our defense lawyer. When the enemy of our souls comes and accuses us, we have a defense lawyer. Anybody ever felt guilty before? I have. Oh my goodness. Why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Thank God we have a defense lawyer, an advocate. Praise God. So Job says, I know my Redeemer lives, and He shall stand at last on the earth. Jesus is coming back. His foot shall set down on the earth. Praise God. And after my skin is destroyed, he says, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. And then, verse 27, he says, how my heart yearns within me. Anybody got that feeling like, man, God, why are you waiting so long? God, come quickly, Jesus. Oh, God, how my heart yearns within me. I'd rather be departed 
from this world and be with Jesus, Paul says, but it's more necessary or expedient for your sakes. Somebody's depending on you and I while we're here on earth to hear about Jesus, to have the love of God expressed through us. What a responsibility that is. In effect, it's escapism to want to just forget everything. God, I'm done. I don't know about you, but there's times I feel like, God, I'm done. Take me away. Get me out of here. Praise God. But God has a plan and a purpose for us. Job says, my heart yearns within me because he has hope. But this hope will be seen someday. He says, I'm going to see God with my own eyeballs. Praise God. You and I are going to see that too. So, getting back to the study of words, the New Testament was written in Greek. But it's not the classical Greek. And it's not a distorted Greek. It's the Greek of the common people. Everybody in the kingdom, in the nation, in the area, in the region, was conquered by Alexander the Great. Everybody spoke this Greek. It's the common Greek. The koine is what the Greek word calls it. However, there's a new word that was brought in here in the common Greek, and it's the word agapeo, or love, which is the verb, and agape is the noun. And this is an interesting word because it's the characteristic word, according to Vine's Dictionary, of Christianity used to describe and express ideas, excuse me, previously unknown in Greek literature. What ideas? Attitudes. Different attitudes. Anybody ever see that old movie, Ben-Hur? He rescues, the, the ship gets shipwrecked, and Ben-Hur is a slave. He's Jewish. And he's been betrayed, and he rescues the, uh, the uh, Roman uh, big shot there. And, and as a result, the Roman big shot adopts him. And he asks him, you know, how long have you been a galley slave? You know, he tells him, three years I've been down there. He says, it's amazing. Most people only last like a, like a year or less. He says, how? Why did you? How did you live so long? He says, because I want revenge. Ah, spoken like a true Roman, he tells him. He says, ha ha. So he adopts him. Just like uh, in the movie The Princess Bride, uh, Indigo Montoya has been for years uh, plotting revenge. He's in the revenge business. But the love of God says, vengeance is mine, saith God. I will repay. You ever been done wrong? Let God take care of it. Woe unto the one that God's taking care of. <laughs> so this was a new idea, an attitude. First of all, it's the attitude of God towards his son. John chapter 17, verse 26 says, Jesus prayed that the love which the Father loved Jesus might be in us. It's the attitude, excuse me, of God toward the human race in general. Everybody knows John 3.16, for God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him not perish, but have everlasting life. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 8. 
is the most amazing scripture to me. This is the one that convinced me. God proves he loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Just at the right time, in due season, when we were yet without strength, we had no hope, we had no future, God sent his son to die for us. Praise God. It's also the attitude of Jesus to believers. In John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said he's going to manifest himself to us. Someday we're going to see Jesus face to face, eyeball to eyeball. Praise God. But in the meantime, you and I have the privilege as being believers that we can experience God's presence, the Holy Spirit leading, because the Holy Spirit is the exact same as Jesus, exact same as the Heavenly Father. So you can experience the presence of God here on earth. The second thing about God's love and characteristic is His will for us concerning our attitude toward other believers. Anybody ever have a bad attitude? Oh, no, that never happens. Did I miss the scripture? John chapter 14. Oh, I think I pressed too many buttons. <laughs> A new commandment, yes. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. A new commandment, Jesus says, I give to you. Who? Me and you. Everyone who believes in Jesus, Jesus says, there's the red pointer, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I didn't need verse 36. Praise God. Just ignore that for now. Can you imagine going into, uh, you know, workplace or your neighborhood or wherever, supermarket, and people notice something about you, something different. I was at a meeting the other night, and uh, we were watching, uh, we were having a video and doing a surveys uh, after every video, and uh, there was a, a drunk individual who happened to sit across the table from me, and kept turning over to me, hey, what about this or that? And he kept trying to, you know, patiently direct his attention back, and, uh, you know, I'm glad he corralled me instead of someone else because someone else might have got upset with him and thrown him out. But after the meeting, somebody come up to me and said, man, you have a lot of patience. I'm just trying to be nice to the guy. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, sometimes I do have a lot of patience. Other times I don't. Praise God. But God, somebody noticed. Somebody's going to notice you and I. If we will... Uh, love one another, and then share that love with others. All will know. Also, it refers to agape love, refers to, refers to God's will for us concerning our attitude towards everyone else, not just believers. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. Now may our God, this is Paul the Apostle, he's writing the letter to the Thessalonian church, praying for them. 
Jesus. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. In other words, God is doing something in our lives. It's God. You, you and I cannot manufacture the love of God ourselves. Believe me, try it. Try and love everyone, you know, with your own strength and your own willpower. Good luck with that. You cannot. Praise God. But God says, or Paul the Apostle writes to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God, our God and Father Himself, and our Lord Jesus Christ, will make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. What a wonderful thing that is when you can touch somebody for God and God uses you. Goes on to say that He's going to establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Agape love is also used to express the essential nature of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, part of the verse says, God is love. This was a foreign idea, and most gods in the world are not described as love. Most gods in the world are vengeful. Uh, most gods in the world aren't really gods. They're statues that people pray to and hope that something good will come of it do all kinds of stuff all over the world. <clears throat> but our God loves us. That's the most amazing thing. Love is an action word. God's love is a deliberate choice, choice which springs from His nature. According to Vine's Dictionary, it says it expresses the deep and constant love and interest of a perfect being towards entirely unworthy objects. How many know we were not worthy of God's love? We were dead in sins and trespasses. We were rebellious. We, Some of us outright hated God. It was not in us to love God. I used to wonder why didn't God kill me? I remember reading Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. Oh my goodness. Why doesn't God kill me then? Because God had a gift. We are the entirely unworthy objects of this love. But it's supposed to produce and foster in us a reverential love towards the giver and a practical love towards those who are partakers of that love and a desire to help others seek the giver. How many know we're supposed to share our faith? We're supposed to try to win people to Jesus. We're supposed to try and Turn the conversation about, you know, God loves you. How could God love me, people would say. God loves you. There are some that, uh, you know, that, that's too macho. We can't have no love around here. That's, that's not macho enough. The most macho person that ever lived was Jesus. The toughest guy you'll ever meet is Jesus. He went into the city knowing they were going to beat him, knowing they were going to torture him, Knowing they were going to kill him, 
knowing that everyone would turn from him. He knew all that ahead of time. It was not a surprise. The toughest guy you'll ever meet is Jesus. He didn't have tattoos or nothing. He didn't have to have none. (laughs) He had the Holy Spirit. He had the power of God living in him. He had the love of God motivating him. It's an unselfish love ready to serve. Jesus said, I didn't come to serve others, but I I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Uh, John Wesley, uh, uh, someone made a movie of one of his adventures in England there one time. uh, As he's preaching, uh, some rabble-rousers, somebody paid these guys to come into the service and upset and disturb the service and start yelling and everything. And so John Wesley starts preaching about a firebrand plucked from the fire. Somebody set his dad's house on fire and he barely got rescued as a little boy. And he says, God plucked me out of that fire. I said, I could be here today to preach to you. And I tell you what, he says, uh, the reason that uh, I'm preaching here is because I want to point you to somebody who came to serve you. How did God come to the earth? He didn't come as a king, even though he was a king. He didn't come as the governor, even though he was a ruler. He came as a slave. That's the form of, that God took. When he came to earth, he came to serve, not be served. Praise God. First John chapter 4, verse 19. One of my favorite books in the Bible is John's first letter. It says, we know. Throughout the book, you'll hear writing about God's love and how we know. And he's talking about something that you and I can experience. We love God. Him, because He first loved us. If ever you get discouraged, just think about this. God's love is steadfast. No matter what trials and problems you might be going through, whatever difficulties, whatever hardships, God loves us. And He will never stop loving us. I like that song we've been singing about, the reckless love of God. It's, it's, it's lavish. It's extravagant. He went to the extreme. We were in a parking lot of Walmart one day and this young lady who had been, I guess they traveled around the country in a van trying to sell stuff. And, uh, and Kathy and I, we started witnessing to her and I told her, I said, you know, somebody, this was several years back, somebody wrote a song that said, Jesus would rather die. And I was talking directly to this young lady. Jesus would rather die than to live without you. That's how much he loves you. And, and I choked up and I almost uh, was moved to tears. And I felt, and we prayed with that young lady right there in the parking lot. I don't know whatever happened to her, but she asked Jesus to come into her heart because somehow she understood and comprehended what Jesus did, what length he went to to touch her life personally. And that's how it is. It's a personal thing. You need to receive Jesus if you're not saved as your personal Lord and Savior is what the message is. And the message of the the gospel, which means the good news, is that God loves people, loves each and every one. God loves the Islamic terrorists that cut people's heads off thinking they're sending them to hell. God loves them. God loves the drug dealer. God loves... uh, the thieves that break into people's houses and steal their stuff. I don't love them. But God has to put that in my heart for them. 
Praise God. Our next scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 8 through 9. This is God's love. Let us who are of the day be sober. That's a good one. Be sober. Because what happens when you're not sober? You make bad judgments. You do dumb things. I used to quite a bit. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love. There it is. Those three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And it says that faith and love is a breastplate. It's armor. Isn't that awesome? Love is armor. You can't touch me. I got my armor on. I love people. The problem is the people that need love the most are the ones that are the hardest to love. Can you say amen? If you can't say amen, say ouch. Praise God. The helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. In verse 11, it goes on to say in the same chapter, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as also you are doing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Consider one another. doesn't mean you go up to people and tell them, this is what you need to do. God told me to tell you, you got to do this and you got to do that. I'll point the finger back the other way and say, what did God tell me to do? How can I help? I grew up in the, I remember the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. That's some of the things that formed my perception of the world. And I remember his inauguration speech where he said these famous words, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Let's put that into action into the church. Ask not what the church can do for you, but what you can do for your church in the kingdom of God. If you have ideas, that's why we have a pastor. You can bring ideas to him and say, hey, what about this? What about that? Can we do this? Can we do that? Don't just come up and say, hey, God told me that this is what we're going to do. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. This is not a democracy. Can you say amen? Praise God. But we want to stir one another, encourage one another, not berate one another, not belittle one another, not goad one another. Praise God. Goes on to say, not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. The day, capital D, is approaching. The end of time as we know it is going to take place. Whether it's in our lifetime or not, the day of Jesus' return, the rapture of the church is going to take place in our lifetime. Maybe, maybe not. Never know. Just be ready. Praise God. All the more, exhort one another. You can live for God. How do you do it? Fall in love with Jesus. You have trouble? Fill your heart and your mind with the Word of God. Fill it with good things. Remind yourself 
how God saved you, how God delivered you, how God set you free, how God is still at work in us, both to will and to do His good pleasure, how God wants to, excuse me, prosper us and help us to have an influence in our world. And we'll close with these verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. This is the list. Have you made the list? The list of the description of God's love that He's put in our hearts. Praise God. Love suffers long. In the Message Bible, it says, Love never gives up. Love is kind, cares more for others than ourselves does not envy, doesn't want what it doesn't have, does not parade itself. In other words, doesn't strut around saying, hey, look at me. Is not puffed up, doesn't have a swelled head, think more importantly of themselves. Praise God. God opposes the power, but gives grace to the humble. Praise God. Does not behave rudely, doesn't force itself on others does not seek its own, isn't always me first, lets others go first. How about when you're driving and someone's trying to get in? Do you give them room or do you, I put my signal on and I go to move over and I notice the car that had room between it. Next car starts to drive up and try to keep me from getting in there. Really? Okay, well, go ahead. I'll get behind you then. Keeps no account of evil, is not provoked, doesn't fly off the handle. That's bad exercise, flying off the handle. It'll fall, that's why. Praise God. Keeps no account of evil, doesn't keep, keep a score of the sins of others. <clears throat> Someone offends you, how do you, long do you keep that in your mind and stew over it? Well, you really need to get right with God and I'm going to go tell him. Love keeps no account of evil. Doesn't keep score. Does not rejoice in iniquity. In other words, doesn't revel, re revel when others grovel. Rejoices in the truth. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. The truth sets people free. Love bears all things. Puts up with anything. Anybody have any hardships, things going wrong in your life? Pray about them. You don't necessarily need to share them with everybody. Let God work. Praise God. Love believes all things. Trusts God always. Love hopes all things. Always looks for the best. In uh, the letter to the Hebrews, it says these words, Beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Excuse me. It endures all things, never looks back, but keeps going to the end, and love never fails. Love will never die. I have a copy of the Phillips New Testament, and I'd like to read out of there a different English version of this love of which I speak, is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It's not possessive. It's neither anxious to impress 
nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance, but has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It's not touchy, does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good men when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. You and I, I believe, <clears throat> cannot manufacture this love. We need God to help us and put it into us. It says in uh, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 8, uh, verse 8 talks about the love of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says that the love of God has been shed forth abroad in our hearts. Just a moment and now. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This love that I'm talking about and that the Bible talks about is so powerful that it can cause hardest hearts to melt. It can cause kingdoms to crumble. I don't know about you, but you look what's going on in the Middle East. You look what's going on in the world. It's like the Bible is coming to life. Things are happening who knows what's going to happen exactly? Nobody. Earthquakes, famines. Jesus said, when you see these things, your redemption is closer and closer. So let's continue to believe God because my favorite chapter in the whole Bible is Romans chapter 5 where Paul writes and says, uses this phrase over and over, much more. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Christ Jesus. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Praise God. God's love is supposed to overwhelm us. It's supposed to flow out of us. You don't remember anything at all from this morning. Just remember, He first loved us. And that should motivate us to love him back and love others. Praise.